All right. Well, I'm back. Um, I took a little break for the new holidays and all that. Hopefully everyone had a good Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff. Um, I'm going to still do, obviously continue doing the WrestleMania review series. I'm probably not going to get it done at this point before WrestleMania, but I will get it done. Um, I kind of just took a little break and for the holidays and all that stuff. But today I'm primarily going to be talking about some of the crazy stuff that's been going on in WWE and Vince McMahon forcing his way back into the company. And oh man, it's a it's a mess. Um, so yeah, well that's pretty much what this one's going to be about. This probably won't be as long as some other ones. So basically, I'm going to start by so Vince McMahon. For those of you that don't know, he stepped down as chairman and of WWE, I want to say back was like July, he had a bunch, amid some scandals and some things that happened, but I'll try to tell the short story, so he, basically, WWE is a publicly traded company, and Vince McMahon gave, basically paid a bunch of women hush money to keep quiet about, like, affairs and whatever, you know, it's his business, not, you know, but the, the thing is, is they're publicly traded company he was using instead of his own money he was using the company's money to pay off the hush money which if you want to learn more i'm not going to go into huge details because lord knows everyone else has already talked about it at nauseum and if you want to know more you can just google it. there's been it's a bunch of crates pretty nuts and so anyway he was he stepped down as see as chairman of the company and all that stuff and uh, WWE has actually gotten better over the last few months. Is it perfect? No, but nothing's really ever perfect with anything. But it's more watchable now on television, Raw, SmackDown. I don't really watch NXT much because that's... I mean, just watching Raw and SmackDown is five hours of the day. Total, Raw is three hours, SmackDown is two hours. I don't have time to watch... You know, NXT, which is two hours, that'll be seven hours. And if I watch AEW, nine hours, so I'm spending, yeah, four days a week watching wrestling. I don't have time for that. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I watch Raw and SmackDown. I do watch AEW, just not as often as I, not every episode. I know what's going on. But anyway, that's not, it's not, this isn't about AEW. But yeah, Raw's gotten more, or Raw, WWE's gotten more watchable. The, so, I mean, obviously, there's still hokey crap. There always is, but without Vince being charged. But then now, it was late last week. I want to say Thursday. There was a story in the Wall Street Journal about how Vince McMahon... <coughs> excuse me. Was trying to um, get back into the company. And my first thought was, oh, God. like, um, And the thing is that people didn't understand. They're like, you know, people are saying, like, oh, well, how was he able to get back into power? Like, he can't do that. Yeah, I mean, he could because he still owned the company the entire time, even though he stepped down. Um, he still owned majority voting power over the board of directors and all that stuff. So that is what happened there. That was pretty much how... And then there were some letters that were written back and forth between Vince McMahon and the board of directors. I'm going to read those and kind of give my thoughts after I read them. So... I'll get started on that. I don't want to keep rambling. So here's the first letter that Vince McMahon wrote to the board of directors. This was written 
on December 20th, 2002. It says, Dear Board of Directors, I have always recognized that we have a massive responsibility to the WWE Universe. Our fans deserve the best entertainment experience that WWE can offer, and I thank you for your efforts to keep our company focused on that goal through this distinctly challenging year for WWE. <coughs> um, hey, I have a cough. Oh, sucks. Throughout my entire tenure with the company, I've always been committed to doing what I believe to be in the best interest of WWE. <laughs> yeah. And our share or our employees, shareholders, fans, and other stakeholders. It is also why <coughs> I voluntarily retired from the company during the pendency of the special committee investigation and fully cooperated with the committee and its independent counsel's process. My retirement was intended to give the special committee, its independent counsel, and the rest of the board of the rest of the board time and space needed to understand and respond to the allegations. Now that the completion of the special committee is investigated or excuse me, now that the completion of the special committee investigation has been publicly disclosed, I believe WWE has a unique opportunity during this critical juncture to maximize value for its shareholders and all other stakeholders, specifically given the rapidly evolving media landscape in which more and more companies are seeking to own the intellectual property offered on their streaming platforms, I firmly believe that the best thing to do for all of WWE shareholders and other stakeholders is to undertake a comprehensive review of strategic alternatives. I am confident that our other shareholders will support this decision. As you know, the media rights subject to the upcoming negotiations are critical to any strategic alternative consideration and therefore the company or no therefore the two initiatives must occur in parallel fashion by combining a review of strategic alternatives with the media rights negotiations our company can make better more well-informed and faster decisions moreover any party that engages in strategic discussions with wwe will want to be assured that i as controlling shareholder, am aligned with the decision-making process. In other words, we must unify the company's decision-making regarding these two interconnected initiatives to fully capitalize on this unique opportunity. For those reasons, it is critical for me to rejoin the board as executive chairman to work alongside our management team in lending the exploration of strategic alternatives and media rights negotiations and it is necessary to fulfill my commitment to doing what is best for WWE. Successfully navigating this process will require close coordination among WWE leadership and the board, as well as a clearly defined and well-executed strategy to secure the greatest value for WWE's stockholders. As WWE's founder and largest shareholder, no one has a greater interest in long-term success of WWE or is more aligned with all WWE shareholders than me. <coughs> I want to be very clear that I am that I wholeheartedly believe that WWE has an except, exceptional management team in place. Stephanie, Nick, Paul, and the rest 
of the management team have my full unconditional support. And as executive chairman, I would support them to facilitate unified, efficient, and effective decision-making during this important period in the company's history. Uh, an, uh, an announcement that I am rejoining the board as executive chairman provided a natural opportunity for WWE to announce its intention to engage in a strategic review process. In light of timing the media rights cycle, it is important to finalize my return to WWE as soon as possible. Accordingly, I would request to hear back from you by 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, January 3rd. I intend to keep my letter and communicate in any what is that say? in any communications out of the public domain and trust that the board will do the same while I of course reserve I just skipped out of it. Uh, I, ah, where was I? Sorry, I accidentally was I was trying to read and I skipped through my finger off. crap okay so finalize i think it was accordingly i i intend to keep my letter and any ancillary communications out of public domain and trust that the board will do the same while i of course reserve all my rights my strong preference is to conduct any dialogue regarding this letter privately and collaboratively i along with corporate counsel at Kirkland and Ellis LLP am available to discuss any questions you may have. Thank you for your continued commitment to WWE. I look forward to working together to maximize value for our shareholders, other stakeholders, and the entire WWE universe. And he wrote, Happy Holidays, Vince. So that was Vince's <coughs> first letter that he wrote to the WWE Board of Directors. Um... So that was basically him writing that he wanted to get back into the company that they're, you know, he said he was going to come back to potentially negotiate a sale of the company, which I call bullshit on. I'll get my thoughts on that in a little bit. And the TV rights deal that's coming up. So then WWE responded with this. This was written on December 27th. Uh, so it says, Dear Vince, we write in response to your letter of December 20th. We fully agree with your assessment that the company's management team is exceptional and are pleased to hear that Stephanie, Nick, Paul, and the rest of the management team have your full and unconditional support. We believe that our investors, employees, and fans agree there is tremendous excitement at the company and among our fan base. And our stock price has grown by more than 40% in just the last year. We remain optimistic about the continued success of this management team and the WWE franchise overall. And we believe our support, or we believe your support is critical to this success. As you know, it is fiduciary, I don't even know what the hell that says, obligation to continue to act in a way we believe is in the best interest of the company and its shareholders. We have always taken that responsibility very seriously, and all of our decisions are guided by this duty. With respect to your suggestion regarding a process to evaluate strategic alternatives and your review in that role and your role in that process, we are prepared to initiate such 
a processor happy to work with you to ensure that it is best for the company and all of its shareholders. Indeed, we would welcome you and your advisors playing an important role in that process, including working along or working together to identify the full range of potential alternatives and counterparties. To that end, we suggest that our bankers and lawyers meet with our bankers and lawyers in the first week of January to discuss how to best move forward with this process. Although we welcome your participation in the launch of a strategic alternatives review process, it is also our unanimous, that's key, view that your return to the company at this time while government investigations into your conduct by the U.S. Attorney's Office and SEC are still pending would not be prudent. From a shareholder value perspective, this determination is based on a variety of factors, including non-public information the board has become aware of and uh, of, and the risk to the company and its shareholders of placing a greater spotlight on these issues. The attached draft letter agreement provides that the board will not agree to the shareholder demand that the company file suit against you on the Conditions that you confirm your commitment to repay all of the investigative-related expenses incurred by the company and that you agree not to. Oh wait, I just you agree not to serve as an officer, director, or employee of the company during the pendency of the government investigations. These those conditions in the draft letter agreement. Reflecting such conditions were unanimously approved by the board prior to receiving your letter of December 20th and were reaffirmed unanimously, or yeah, unanimously subject, or subsequent, Jesus, I can't read, to that date. So that's, that, that's the crazy part for me is the board of directors that all, oh, that by the way includes his daughter and his son-in-law, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, I think his real name's Triple H, what is Triple H's real name, Paul Levesque or something? Anyway, they unanimously voted not to have him back. And this jackass doesn't care and brought it like he... Oh, man. Like, that's the crazy part is they said they were willing to work with him to negotiate the TV deal and the um, <coughs> sale of the company. Or, and But then he's, they did not... They unanimously voted to keep him off the board of directors. Or an employee of the company. Like, what the... F and he did it anyway. Like, that's the craziest part of this. I believe there's one more letter. So this is Vince's response to the letter I just read. Um, Dear Board of Directors, I appreciate your timely response to my December 20 letter. However, it is surprising that you did not address what I had sought to make clear in my letter, namely that we have a unique but narrow window of opportunity to maximize shareholder value by combining the upcoming media rights negotiations with the strategic review process the board acknowledges is the right course of action for our shareholders. And the only way to fully capture that opportunity is by having me, the company's founder and controlling shareholder, return as executive chairman at this critical time so that I can work alongside the management team to unify the decision-making related to these two interconnected initiatives. 
I would like to be clear that I'm now this part. Ugh. I would like to be clear that unless I have direct involvement and input as executive chairman from the outset, I will not be able to support or approve any media rights deals or strategic transaction, including any commitments made by or behalf of the company regarding a potential transaction or process. This position is not driven by self-interest. Yeah, a good one. Or a lack of confidence in the company's management team, but rather by my commitment to doing what is best for WWE and all its shareholders and by my strong belief that maximizing the outcome of these processes will require close coordination and unified and efficient decision-making. I sincerely hope we can work together to unlock this tremendous value potential. There is no rational or rationale for your position that my return to the company would not be prudent from a shareholder value perspective. To the contrary, my return in the context of the media rights negotiations and a potential value maximizing strategic transaction is necessary precisely from a shareholder value perspective because it will allow WWE as well as any transaction counterparties to engage these process knowing they will have the support of the controlling shareholder. Further, the special committee of the board has concluded its... There's more, but it doesn't show more. That's weird. Um, let me see if I have more. I guess I don't. Um, yeah, I thought they kind of cut off. That's weird. But anyway, the basically, Vince McMahon, in not so many words, held his own company hostage. He said he would, as the shareholder, he has a say in any potential sale of the company or their television rights negotiations. And he's basically saying that he will not approve a sale of the company <coughs> or, um, anyway, he will not approve a sale of the company or renegotiate their television deal unless WWE reinstates him as the chairman of the company. It's just... Dude, he held, he's holding his own company hostage just to gain power. Like, oh, this whole thing's a mess. Oh, I feel bad just for the employees, like, in the office, obviously, especially the wrestlers. Like, you always heard about how horrible of an environment it was with Vince in charge, and, like, he would just you know, fire people left and right, or he'd rip up scripts during the, like, he'd have the show written, and then he'd change shit, like, during the show, or he'd change stuff, like, hours before, and then, like, obviously with Triple H, it's been, like, a more, because he's writing Raw and SmackDown now, and it's been, like, a more controlled environment, and he brought back people that Vince fired, and just all this stuff, and it's, I just feel bad, and all that for everyone involved. Okay, so I actually found the rest of the letter that Vince wrote. So hopefully I doesn't I didn't skip any. I'm trying to figure out where I left off. Um so I think the last part I remember this part, so I'll start from here. So this position is not driven by self interest or a lack of confidence in the company's management team. But rather by my, my bah, but rather by my commitment to doing what is best for WWE and all its shareholders, 
and by strong belief that maximizing the outcome of these processes will require close coordination and unified and efficient decision-making. I sincerely hope we can work together to unlock this tremendous value potential. Then he writes, There is no rationale for your position that my return to the company would not be prudent from a shareholder value perspective. To the contrary, my return in the context of the media rights negotiations and a potential value maximizing strategic transaction is necessarily precisely from a shareholder value perspective because it will allow WWE as well as any transaction counterparties to engage in these processes knowing they will have the support of the controlling shareholder. Further, the special committee of the board has concluded its investigations and presumably all of its material findings have been publicly disclosed by the company and nothing has been communicated to me about any matter that would prevent me from returning to the board. So while I am pleased to see that we all agree to the board's fiduciary obligations to act in the best interest of WWE and all its shareholders, it remains unclear to me how the board can discharge these obligations if it does not permit me to be actively involved in helping to lead these two interconnected initiatives from within the boardroom so that I can make a fully informed decision about whether any potential transaction creates the most value for the shareholders. I also feel that it is necessary to clearly state my position in light of the fundamental natures of WWE's media rights to the core value proposition and purpose of WWE. It would be improper for the company or board to take material steps toward any media rights deal without WWE shareholder support, particularly considering that a very clear majority of voting power explicitly opposes the company taking these steps without shareholder support. Regarding the shareholder demand letter, I am glad to learn that following a review of the shareholder demand, the board has determined that the demand does not warrant any further legal action. However, it is unfortunate that the board would seek to use this conclusion to attempt to extract an agreement for me not to return to the company. Any construct yeah, any what the hell any construct along these lines is entirely unacceptable, especially in light of the critical inflection points now facing the company. I would also like to clarify that my intention is to avoid the creation of any conflict of interest related to the special committee's investigation or related matters because of my return to the board. As executive chairman and consistent with my prior actions, I would not interfere with any government investigations or the special committees and independent directors process in cooperating with those or related investigations. I would fully support appropriate and tailored governance measures to insulate me from those matters as well as any improvements to the company's internal controls determined to be appropriate by the independent directors. <clears throat> as I have previously conveyed, I also remain willing to continue working to finalize my reimbursement of the company for its reasonable expenses incurred related to the investigation by and findings of the special committee to the extent not covered by insurance. Finally, I would like to reiterate my full support for WWE's management team and their leadership of the WWE franchise. It remains my sincere preference that we 
enable a cooperative path forward so that we can navigate these interconnected processes together for the benefit of our shareholders. I look forward to hearing back from you promptly, and in any case, by no later than January 5th, 2023. Sincerely, Vince McMahon. So that is the full letter that I was able to find that Vince wrote. So yeah, this whole thing is just insane to me. I just, I don't know, man. I feel like he's literally, he has to approve a sale of the company and everything. And I just, oh man, he's literally refusing to approve any sale or their television deal, which I believe expires sometime in 2024, but they'll, I think they start negotiating it toward the end of the year. Um, and he's refusing to negotiate that. Like, this dude held his own company hostage. And then he, he, there was, <coughs> oh man, I think two, he basically put himself back on the board of directors and he put two other members that he fired off the board of directors. So two people resigned. Well, pretty much got fired, but they, whatever, they resigned. I think like two other members, I know at least one of them was one of the people investigating Vince McMahon for his scandals. Like, oh man, this whole thing, like I said, I, I was saying before, I feel bad for the company, I feel bad for the employees. Like he, Triple H has brought back like Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, which are two guys that I like, they're, you know, and Vince fired them. He's brought back like Karrion Cross, Johnny Gargano, um... Hit Row. I mean, those ones have all been kind of disappointing. There's other ones. But anyway, the point is, is like, there's even wrestlers in the company that are, like, don't want to work for Vince. And I understand. Like, it's definitely a toxic environment. Um, and what a... And then the whole thing with him saying he's coming back to... He ain't selling the fucking company. I don't buy that for a second. He's using that as an excuse to get back into power. And you know... Within a couple of months or weeks, he's going to be back running creative, and it's going to be the same trash that it always was in the entire everything that they've built without Vince. This dude's an egomaniac. Like, he couldn't stand to see WWE succeed without him. Like, their ratings were better, their product, like, the TV shows were better to, better to watch. And now it's just, he's going to get back control. He's going to end up taking over for Triple H and. Like, think about his own daughter. Like, the board of directors, which his daughter is on, voted against him unanimously. Like, it's... And then right before I got on here, I read a note that Stephanie McMahon, his daughter, I don't think I saved it, but... um, That she... Stepped down as CEO of the company. So, like, it's just... The whole thing is insane. Um... I did read something else. I don't know how um, true this part is. But it says, If WWE's stock value eventually declines due to Vince McMahon's forced takeover or new sexual misconduct allegations, minor stockholders will have grounds to sue. If those stockholders attempt to remove Vince, he has threatened to bankrupt the company. Like, imagine that. If If they attempt to remove Vince from power again, He's going to bankrupt his own company. Oh, my God. Oh. Well, that's really... I mean, everyone's talked about this at nauseam. I, this is a bunch of bullshit. Like, I, 
Vince just, <clears throat> dude, he's 77 years old. Just go away. WWE is better without you. It really is. Um, he's not going to, obviously. Like I said, he's going to be back in power and everything's just going to, you know, suck pretty much with. Jeez. <sighs> well, anyway, that's. I don't want to keep rambling. I've been kind of talking for a while. That's pretty much my thoughts on that. So, yeah, we'll probably see WWE be... And it's also going to affect the fact that more people are... More wrestlers from other companies like AEW, New Japan, whatever, were more willing to go either to WWE or, in that matter, the ones that left, go back to WWE because Vince was no longer in power. Now that Vince is slowly regaining power, it's, it's just going to there's going to be less and less wrestlers that are going to want to go back there and it's just going to hurt their business. This whole thing's a mess. Like I said, I know I've said this already. I feel bad for the employees of the company to have to work for this asshole. The wrestlers, like, eh, just a toxic environment. Um, Yeah, I mean, is there anything else I want to touch on before I get off here? Oregon won their game against North Carolina. Their bowl game, that was a fun game to watch. Uh, they went to the national title game. Jesus, fucking Georgia won. Was it sixty-five to seven? <laughs> My God! Oh man, Georgia's freaking—it's unbelievable. I watched like a little bit of it, and then I'm like, oh, "This boring." I didn't realize it was going to be that bad. I mean, it makes Oregon it makes Oregon losing forty-nine to three not look as bad. I mean, yeah, it's still bad, but <sighs> um. But yeah, there. I actually do want to talk about something in, return, in regards to college football. It's always funny when you look at uh, fans that like the Pac-12 gets like sh- a shitty perception around the nation. I don't understand why. Especially when you look at it this year, they had the most ranked teams out of any conference. Six teams. Oregon had half their conference ranked. Let's see, USC was ranked. Utah, Oregon. Oregon State, Washington, and UCLA, half of their conference. And I believe, unless I'm wrong, I know for sure uh, that the Pac-12 had at least five teams that won 12 games, which is crazy. So, yeah, USC, so here was the, so, whoa, uh, why did, no, we don't want that one. I gotta go scroll until I find the Pac-12. Yeah, they had five teams that won 10 games. USC went 11 and 3. Washington went 11 and 2. Oregon went 10 and 3. Utah went 10 and 4. And Oregon State went 10 and 3. Like, they had half, and UCLA was 9 and 4. They had half their conference ranked, and five teams won 10 games. Then, if you go over to the SEC, which is the conference, yeah, the conference that everyone says is the best, um, Let's see, they had Alabama went 11 and 2, LSU went 10 and 4, Georgia. So they had four teams that won 10 games. Georgia 15 and 0, Tennessee 11 and 2. So yeah. And then the ACC's a mess. Yeah. Um Clemson and Florida State each won 11 and 3 for Clemson, 10 and 3 for Florida State. Um the Big 12 And, yeah, the Big Ten had three teams. Yeah, so, Oregon, yeah, the Pac-12 had half their conference ranked and the most 10-win teams. But, yeah, the Pac-12 is not a good conference. Like, eh, it's just funny. 
And then it's another thing that's funny is reading online is like all the Oregon State fans talking shit about BD Oregon and going ten and three. It's like the third time they've ever went ten and three in history. Oh, they beat Oregon and go ten and three. Congratulations, good job. Even trash has to win every once in a while. But now all of a sudden the Beaver fans think fucking they're world beaters now and they're just talking all this shit and it's just funny to me. They come out of the Oregon State's won 10 games or more three times in their history. Oregon's done it like, what, 13 times since the year 2000 alone? And the Beavers have done it three times and they've been a team over 100 years? Fuck off. And then when Oregon beats you, when Oregon kicks your ass next year, we'll, <laughs> we won't hear from you for five years. So, anyway, I'm just kind of rambling at this point. I'm going to get off here in a couple minutes. Anything else I want to touch on before I get up here? Oh, yeah, LeBron James is 400 points away from breaking the all-time scoring record. I know it's going to piss everyone off. He's the greatest player of all time. I don't care what anyone says. I'm tired of saying it's Michael Jordan because it's not. I mean, I don't want to go on a rant, but I, I will if I have to. But, yeah, it's going to be great. He's like 400 points away. He's going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in less seasons and less shot attempts. But... You know, we continue. LeBron, I guess LeBron sucks, and he's four and six in the NBA Finals, and all this crap. When you look at it without context, there's context to every final. You know, if you want, I can break down every finals for you. I might do that another time. I'm kind of rambling at this point. Now I'm gonna do it. All right, fuck you. I'm gonna do it. People are like, oh, LeBron's four and six in the NBA Finals. All right, let's break this down. <sighs> what was his first final? 2007. He lost to a prime San Antonio Spurs team with Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili. Three Hall of Famers. LeBron was like 21 years old. His second player was best player on his team was Zadrunas Ogowskis. You're probably asking yourself if you're an NBA fan, who's Zadrunas Ogowskis? Yeah. He is a good player, but is your second best player? Hmm. Let's see. What was the next finals? 2011. Okay. <sighs> All right, I can't defend this one. He choked. He averaged, like, when his first year in Miami, they put together Chris Bosh and Wade and went and played Dirk and the Mavericks. LeBron choked. Like, there's nothing. He averaged, like, 17 points a game. Fucking pussy shit. Yeah, I, I can't really defend this one. He deserves all the criticism and all the shit that he got. He shit the bed. All right? I can't really, you know... Defend him for this one. 2012, let's see, they won the finals. That was against the Thunder, right? LeBron would dominate. Average like 27, 10, and like 8. And fucking rape Kevin Durant and Harden and Russell Westbrook. Made them all cry. That's right. 2013 was beautiful. You know, people like to say, oh, that, that series against the Spurs was one, probably one of the best finals I've ever watched. 2013, that went seven games. There's that game six where... Uh, Ray Allen made that three to help send the game into overtime, and people are like, oh, Ray Allen saved LeBron without the fact that I think LeBron scored like 18 points in the fourth quarter of that game and pretty much was the reason they were even in position for that to happen. So fuck off. Ray Allen did not save LeBron. Uh, it's just fine. I don't know why I'm getting mad about this. Uh, yeah, then they ended up winning. LeBron, like, averaged... Like, I was like, like 28, 10, and 7 again. Just dominated. Dominated. Let's see, 2014. This finals is funny because 
they went five games with what was left of, you know, against the Heat. It was a rematch from the previous finals with the Spurs. It was basically a rematch of what was left. So, yeah, the 2014 finals, they oh, they say Kawhi Leonard shut LeBron James down. Fuck you. That's bullshit. If you look at the stats, I'm going to actually Google this just because I know LeBron averaged it was something like, he averaged like 27 points and shot like 50% from, actually it might have even been 60% from the field and um, 50% from three, but they were like, oh, Kawhi Leonard shut him down. Like, fuck you. No, we didn't. Um, Let me see. Just because I want to get it right. Okay. So in this finals, just for context, people say Kawhi Leonard shut LeBron James down, right? LeBron in this finals averaged 28.2 points, 8 rebounds, so 7.8, but I'm rounding it up, 4 assists, 57% shooting, and 52% from 3. Yeah, he shut him down pretty good, didn't he? Moving on to the next finals, which they lost to the Golden State Warriors. LeBron returned to Cleveland, which was great, and they lost 4-2. to two. Um, In six games, he didn't have Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love for the whole series. And LeBron was ridiculous in this finals. He averaged 35.8 points, 13.3 rebounds, 8.8 assists. So basically 36, 13, and 9. He didn't shoot the ball well. He shot 40% from the field, which is terrible, and 31% from three and 68% from the free throw line. But the next best player on his team, Timofey Mozgov, another one like Ilgowskis, yeah. Who, yeah, who's Timofey Mozgov? <laughs> he averaged 14 and 7. They basically gave Andre Iguodala finals MVP for uh, holding LeBron to 36 points a game. They averaged 16, 5, and, or 16, 6, and 4. That's pretty good. Honestly, Steph Curry probably should have won Finals MVP here, but I do think it's funny that you know, he averaged 26. Um, he did get destroyed by Matthew Dellavedova in one of those games. But uh, anyway, yeah, like, so yeah, there, I mean, obviously, he's, but he didn't have, he. it went six games, he didn't have Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving. They would have killed them with both of them. Oh, then the next finals might be my favorite, might be the greatest NBA finals I've ever seen in my life. The next year, a rematch with Golden State. This time, you had Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, and it was beautiful. They were down 3 1. Everyone's all talking shit. LeBron chokes again. All this crap. It was just, you know what happens? People, I love this finals because people are like, oh, they didn't have, um, Andrew Bogut didn't play, or. I think, how many games did your Bogut play in this finals? He missed two games. Like he missed the last two. People were like, oh, Andrew Bogut didn't play, and they lost Draymond Green for a game. And like, oh my god. Anyway, they but yeah, if that they didn't give LeBron a pass for not having Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, so I don't really see why this is a big deal. And I remember the game Draymond like kicked LeBron in like the nuts or whatever, and he got suspended for a game. Um, I think it was like game four. Then game five, Draymond Green doesn't play. LeBron goes off, has like 41 points. I want to say he had a triple-double, um, which was great. And then game six, they're like, oh, well, Draymond's playing. They're not going to win now. And then what happens? LeBron drops 41 on his dome again. And then like 30 in game seven. 
Dude averaged 29 points, 29.7, so basically 30 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 2.6 steals, 2.3 blocks, 49% shooting, basically 50%, 49.4, 4, 37% from three. He was the only player. He led both teams in every statistical category. Points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals, and field goal percentage. And I even, yeah, like every statistical category, LeBron basically led his team in points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. Yeah. Goat. But I'll continue. Why not? It's fun. Oh, God. Now we get to this crap. The 2017 finals. So you know what happens after this. They're like, oh, well, LeBron's going to kill us now. So you know what they do? They go out. They cry. Draymond Green didn't even admit this. He goes out to the parking lot. And he's like, Kevin Durant, we need you. We can't beat LeBron. Come save us. And then they get Kevin Durant. They ruin the NBA for a couple of years. The Warriors win the 2017 NBA Finals. is like 4-1. to one. It was not even really close. Oh, yeah. One more thing I want to say in the 2016 Finals before I move on. Kevin Love clamped Steph Curry. <laughs> it was beautiful. That last play where you like, Steph Curry has the ball at like, the three-point line. Kevin Love clamped him. It was beautiful. Fuck that. Great. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm just mad because people like to deny. Well, people are just in denial. LeBron's the GOAT at this point. Um, anyway, I just wanted to point that out. He clamped Steph Curry, and it was beautiful. Then, obviously, LeBron had that. I, I guess I'm going back to 2016. LeBron had that awesome block on Iguodala. I do love he was just targeting Steph Curry. That whole just blocked him like eight times. Beast. And then Kyrie Irving obviously hit that. Like, that was crazy, that whole sequence where, like, I don't remember exactly which one happened first. I, well, I want to say LeBron got the block, Kyrie hit the shot, and then Kevin Love got the, the defensive stop on Steph Curry. Pretty sure that's the order it went in. I haven't seen the finals, but I remember it was a crazy sequence. It all happened, like, in a row. And it was beautiful. All right, next NBA Finals. So, yeah, they get Durant. It's a bunch of bullshit. Kevin Durant does dumb. Did nominate the little satellite. There were 35 points, eight rebounds, five assists, 55% shooting, which is insane. 47% from three and 93% from three point line. Steph Curry averaged 27. That was probably his best finals, honestly. Eight, eight rebounds, nine assists. Damn. LeBron still was beast, though. Let's see. LeBron averaged 33, 12, and 10. On one steal. He was the only player in NBA Finals history to average a triple-double and his team lost. Like, what do you want him to do? They had literally the three top ten players at the time. Kevin Durant was probably the second best player besides LeBron. Steph Curry's probably third best player. And then you had Clay Thompson. Was a, Clay Thompson was a beast, too. So, yeah, LeBron was 33-12-10. and 10. Kyrie Irving averaged 29 and, like, Kevin Love averaged 16. So, like, they just got destroyed. Like, what do you want? And then, so, like, you can't, how do you, like, people just, they're stupid. They're just like, oh, LeBron sucks because he lost six finals. Context. Oh, God, the next finals. Oh, my God. Ugh. They got, the Cavs got swept 4-0, and LeBron was like, deuces, I'm out of here. Um, Kevin Durant has a beast of this finals, too. 29, 11-7. 52% shooting. Steph Curry averaged 27.5. You could argue he could have won finals MVP too. Six and rebounds, six point eight assists. LeBron averaged what? 
34, 8, and 10 with one steal and a block. Kevin Love averaged 19 and 11. But this finals was LeBron literally game one. And what do you have? He had like 51, didn't he? It was like 50 or 51. 51, yeah. He had 51 points in game one of the finals. 51 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. And he literally did everything that he could to win that game. Then they had that stupid fucking thing where J.R. Who was it? It's like George Hill. He missed a free throw. J.R. Smith got the rebound. Instead of passing the ball to LeBron, it was wide open for three. He dribbles the ball out. The game goes into overtime. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, they literally, LeBron, it was literally like four All-Stars for that game. LeBron was beating a team with four All-Stars on it. Four Hall of Famers. Durant, Curry, Draymond will make the Hall of Fame. Clay, probably Eggy will make the Hall of Fame. Those four for sure will. But yeah, LeBron, they were, LeBron was beating them. Just, oh. Anyway, that was pretty much the beginning of the end. Then the, so that was what, his sixth loss? I think he's, yeah, then 2020, they won the finals. LeBron led the Lakers to the finals. They averaged. <laughs> Took a year off. He let you know he let Toronto win a finals, but then LeBron, his finals with the Lakers, he averaged against the Heat. He was a beast in this finals at fifty six years old. Actually, I think he was thirty five. <laughs> anyway, he averaged twenty, basically twenty nine point eight, so thirty points, eleven point eight rebounds, so twelve rebounds, eight point five assists. Shot sixty percent from the field and forty two percent from three. Four Finals MVPs. Won three championships with three different teams, and he's been the best player on his team every single season. Like, dude's a beast. And when he breaks the fin- the scoring record, it's going to be beautiful. Anyway, I'm going to get off here. That's a quick rundown of LeBron and all the people that crap on him for losing six finals without context. Anyway, I'm going to get off here. Hope you enjoyed. I'll try to, I think I'm probably going to watch WrestleMania 3 tomorrow or maybe Thursday. Hopefully I get that out by Friday. No promises, though. Anyway, I'll I'll finish the WrestleMania reviews here as I get time. Thanks for listening.